Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right. We're talking about mortuary, believe it or not, on our 300th episode of Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Cliffside, California, he said with shrugged shoulders. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to talk about all the gorgeous details of 1983 or 82 or 81's Mortuary in the hopes that a uh, junior college attendee's death is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to make sure that before my funeral and my coffin lid is closed, before I'm buried and my flesh turns cold, before I'm covered with the last shovel full of dirt, she'll make sure I'm really dead. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Not only that, I, I will make sure that we select a casket that you feel comfortable in. It's so hard when you look at caskets and you say, I can see myself in there, but your partner knows you sometimes better than you know yourself. And, he, and she's like, I don't I don't see you laying under six feet of ground in this. I don't think you'll be, your, your corpse where your soul will no longer be will be happy in that box. But when you're when your 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 body is reduced to juices. <laughs> don't we just want a, a, a you know a, a different color of the silk lining i mean if you're gonna get uh worms all inside your body and you're just full of corpse juice now you want to have at least be happy that you made the right decision when it counted it's all it's, it's so important it's so important <laughs> Well, I don't want to scare you, Gina, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. And of course, you know him as one of the gang from one of our favorite shows, We Hate Movies. And of course, he's a returning champion here to Kill by Kill. The one, the only, Stephen Sadak. How are you doing today, Stephen? I wish I knew it was your 300th episode. I would have brought you guys champagne or something. I have, <laughs> I have all the champagne in my house. I keep trying to get rid of it. It can't. No, this is amazing. Congratulations on 300 episodes. That's that's so exciting. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, it was a surprise to me. I was actually just <laughs> checking episode counts. And yeah, I think, I, think behold, this is, I think this is the first I heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, uh, yeah, it came as a bit of a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. I was asked to look at my episode count, and I did, and I'm like, oh, uh, oh. Uh, all right. And, Okay. Um, so yeah, it, it um, it's listen. We don't we don't plan well around here. But the good news is this is a fun movie to talk about. Uh, Gina is here. She's happy. She's healthy. And uh, our old pal Steve is in the house. Love to have you back here on the program. We only invite you for the most disco inflected episodes of Kill by Kill. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, speaking of surprises, I didn't know that I had seen this movie before until about <laughs> about halfway in. And what I what I like the, when it started, I'm like, maybe kinda sorta, mm-hmm. but what's what settled it for me was this sunken in living room that we spend <laughs> about two thirds of the movie in. And yeah. it is it's gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, we don't make them like this anymore. Fuck your open plan. No, I want to take three <laughs> steps down into a living room. There's got to be a stairway with a banister to beat all banisters as well. I, I just, this and, and carpeting as far as the eye can see. Fuck yes. your open plan is what I say. 
It is strange to have a movie that is so carpeted because at (laughs) one point, anything they can, they can carpet. They absolutely do wall to wall. At one point, Greg, our, our bohunk of a lead here makes a phone call from a very low payphone on a wall that is completely carpeted. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It seems like the roller rink is somehow carpeted as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, any surface that can be carpeted in the roller rink is, is is a good idea. Uh, Even the bubble lettering appears to have some carpeting attached to it. Uh, The only thing that is not carpeted is the gentleman in the white silver band uniform who dances in the middle of the floor for everyone's entertainment. He's the only one carpet free. I love the roller rink. I don't don't, want to get outside of the realm of the film, but it is... The roller rink has all these characters at it that are mm-hmm. like so excited that they're not in the wrong slash in 99% of slasher movies because <laughs> in 99% of slasher movies, all four of those dudes, the, the fat guy is totally getting his, yeah. the, the blonde girl, the two other, everyone is getting their own death, which by the way, would be a much better movie and more, more exciting. Right. Uh, yeah. But it just, they're just like kind of hanging out being like, so what's that movie like? That's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's nuts. <laughs> you want more uh, Diet Coke? I would love it. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Can you get me a refill of popcorn? Exactly. What do you mean you're not skating? There's <laughs> that one guy with a very weird half Prince Valiant haircut mm-hmm. who looks directly into the camera during a scene. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's just supposed to be a background player, but all of a sudden it's like, why is there a Stephen King greaser bully in the background <laughs> staring down the camera? This movie is delightfully incompetent. Mm. It's just... It feels haphazard. Uh, when Gina watched it, she was texting me, and she's like, I don't understand why one scene leads into the other. Mm-hmm. And I suggested it was quite possible that they put script pages on a giant wheel and just spun it while editing. <laughs> yep. And whatever landed next is the next scene, because, I don't know, Greg's still wearing the same polo in half the movie. <laughs> why Why change it? Well, I mean, when you've got a uh, an a, a a really a magnetic presence like Greg, you just want to frame him in the middle of the, of the scene and just let him go. I mean, he is the most shagadelic Frankenstein we've ever accomplished, you know, come across. Look, let's get back into uh, just a little bit of background because this movie confuses the fuck out of me. It comes out in 1983. It's directed by Howard Avidaeus. And if you've never heard that uh, name before, you're right. You shouldn't have. Um, his wife, Marilyn Schmidt, who's his constant producer, is also attached to this movie. She she co-writes the movie. And they begin lensing this thing, supposedly, in 1981, when every studio head in town is demanding, I want the next Friday the 13th on my desk by Monday, or you'll be back to washing cars in San Pedro, Lamar. And I don't know if Lamar actually ended up going back to washing cars, but chances are probably. Uh, Thing is, most of the references and the feel of this movie reek of pre-1980s America. Mm. I would say Bill Paxton owns the only pair of eyes in this film that have witnessed Ronald Reagan become president. <laughs> Everyone else is stuck in line for leaded gas during the embargo. It's just all boogie vans and fair hair and dancing to disco in your sunken living room in front of a blazing fire. Just the sunken living room. I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna keep going back to it. It's just, you know, we used to be a country. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
We used to have values. Listen, we used to walk down into our living room. <laughs> exactly. We, this is where we got down, where we, where, we, mm-hmm. where we didn't talk to one another on a lower level. And that's where we need to get back to. But uh, the director here was a graduate of the vaunted USC uh, film school. He won the George Cougar Award in college for a film he directed there. And he used that pedigree to make some of the sleaziest and shittiest films of the 1970s and 80s, including such obvious titles as The Stepmother, The Teacher, Dr. Minx, who I assume attended six years of MILF school to get that title. (laughs) Uh, But most importantly, he made a remake of The Teacher in 1984 called They're Playing With Fire, in which Mm. Sybil Danning plays a teacher so hot she entices a teenager to, um, let me check my notes here, uh, play with fire, which you should not do. It's just, it's a bad idea, but she's so hot. What else are you going to do? In 1982, the finished version of Mortuary is released in two cities as Embalmed. And Paramount Pictures put it there to kind of test it out. It fucking sucked. (laughs) They (laughs) yank it. Like, this is not fit for human consumption. A year later, some independent, you know, racket, you know, trying to to wash clean mob money goes, we're going to release it as as mortuary. And reporting varies on the budget, but it's like, it's it's definitely under a million dollars. It ends up making $4 million. So some guys in Kansas City are thrilled about how this turned out. But what I want to talk about before we get into the movie is, of course, the trailer for Mortuary, which only lasts one minute. Um, So this won't take very long, but it does contain a not not one single image from the finished motion picture. This is just a special shoot in which they take the print copy from the poster, have some VO guy, you know, say it out loud on a microphone. And they imported Michael Berryman from the the Hills Have Eyes. (laughs) Yes. In weird science to play Michael Berryman in 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 a graveyard. And then he gets pulled into a grave by one of those end of carry hands. Why? I don't, yep. I don't know. Pro- probably because every image in this movie reads like it was filmed under the influence of Billy Beer, and they just wanted it to seem fresher. You think than when that. people went to the, the went to go see this, they were like, they came out of the theater. Excuse me, I expected Michael Berryman. I did not get Michael Berryman. Please give me back my two dollars. Well, I mean, there was that. Wasn't there that lawsuit about? I, don't, I forget which actress it was. Was cut out of a movie or something, and like out people of, were, um, yeah, that be- the Beatles movie where one guy remembers the Beatles and nobody else does. Uh, I mean, yesterday, yes, yeah, and some I forget the actress that was in the trailer that she got cut out of the trailer or cut out of the movie, and like the, they tried to sue for false advertising, and like they mm-hmm. were just like, "Go fuck yourself." I mean, like <laughs> it went it went to court, but the answer was, "Go fuck yourself." But yes. man, oh man. This is a case of false advertising. I'm sorry. Yeah. What you're setting up is a movie about the dead rising from the grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're also setting up a movie with atmosphere that isn't exactly <laughs> like just some coastal California town, just a lazy low a low and lazy coastal California town, which is also what this movie is. Yeah, hardly any move any uh, scenes in this movie are entirely blue, like the yes. trailer is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it promises a whole bunch of shit that it does not deliver on. Now, 
and and I think 20, mm, somewhere in the 2000s, Toby Hooper made a movie called Mortuary. And that, and that teaser trailer, that, those make sense. With the exception that I don't think Michael Berryman's in the movie, everything else is just a lot of hands reaching out of graves. (laughs) That's full of that. But this, none of it. It just, in fact, you can watch the first half an hour, you still won't know what this movie's about. Nope. So let's it only, get it, it only really gets going when like they drop I get it wouldn't even be a mystery because like literally like so there's a kill in the beginning and then like Bill Paxton goes nuts uh yeah. towards the end, end of the movie. The middle of it, nothing's <laughs> happening. We're just running around. It's it's a it's a mystery mm-hmm. that is solved the first time you see the killer. Because you can obviously see that it's Bill Paxton <laughs> in Grim Reaper makeup. Yeah, he's it's Grim Reaper makeup, but it also is very reminiscent of the Pazuzu makeup from yes. The Exorcist, that flash <laughs> that you get. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a little cat and howdy going on. The yes. black cloak helps. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sure. Uh, but it's just, it's so, I mean, we'll, we'll try to put it together. For, we'll it's definitely one of those movies mind, where it's like, okay, we only have like, like 45 minutes of movie here. What should we, well, how about we squeeze in like an entirely nude sex scene, right? Just, just right in the middle <laughs> yeah. of everything. Mm-hmm. Just stop the movie dead for breasts. And you know, I'm not one to complain, so I'm here for it, but also, I didn't require it, so it doesn't make the movie better, but it also doesn't make the movie worse. It's kind of, we're all, we're floating at 50-50 in this movie. Gina, but at think, least something's happening that doesn't have to do with maybe why is the power going on and off? <laughs> the, yes, I mean, th- there are more problems with power in Cliffside, California, than Texas has ever had. Let's put it that way. There's just... <laughs> A serious difficulty happening on the grid in Cliffside, California. I was, you know, Chekhov's phone company. If you mention the phone company that much, you have to show them the third <laughs> act. And they don't. They just don't. They're, they're, they talk so much about calling the phone company, wanting mm-hmm. to call the phone company, having, having, having dealings with the phone company. I want to see the fucking phone company at that point. I need to see a guy whose tool belt is pulling down his pants just Mm -hmm. too much Mm -hmm. so I get a little bit of crack in the back. But no, that guy's nowhere to be seen. It's a lot of promise and very little fulfillment of that promise. So let's uh, let's get into the movie. Um, We open on a very large house. And this is uh, the Gull's Way Estate, which is on the north end of Malibu, California. And you can have your wedding there if you happen to have... A lot of money. So if you're one of those lucky few, you can get married there. I don't know what else you can do, but you better have a lot of money. And then you get to tell people you got married where mortuary was shot. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure. I I don't know why that's not number one on their website. You two can get married where mortuary was filmed, both inside and out. I, I will say I would only do it if they did not renovate the inside of the house. If, they, if, if, if that's the case, then yes, and I will pay top dollar. I'll go into debt. I can't guarantee that. They definitely got rid of that driveway. That brick yeah. driveway oh, is beautiful. gone, it's which gorgeous. is very unfortunate. Gorgeous. Uh, I just love it. It's we don't <laughs> we don't make them that way anymore because we ran out of bricks to do it. Um, but uh, we have the opening credits. 
over the swimming pool, and very few films have the guts to establish the existence of a swimming pool this hard. Like, (laughs) once, once you get through the credits, you're like, okay, I believe a pool can exist. They've given you that. This place has a pool, motherfucker. It's fantastic. It's also like you're seeing, um, you're getting this like, it's it's called Mortuary. Again, you know, Michael Berryman be damned, but like yeah. this is the brightest opening to a movie that I've ever seen. It is very sun-drenched horror. There are very few sun-drenched slashers, but at least our opening kill is all just a very gauzy, you know, package on the lighting. And we meet Dr. Parson. He's hot. He's wealthy. He's about to get hit in the head with a Very bat. lightly, it looks like. First thing <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, Gina. That's a tick two on the on the hit on the bat because we didn't get it the first time. It's just so like it just kisses the side of his head. Yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah, I, I mean he's almost knighted like out of this. Yeah. He's Sir Doctor Parson. Uh, until his untimely end, drowning. I mean, he gets hit in the back, then that that tap on the forehead, <laughs> and he 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 dances out of this. Like I've seen solid gold dancers be less graceful hitting a pool than this guy does. Um, and this is where we first meet Christine, who has come home in slow motion. You almost wonder if she's ever filmed at speed (laughs) after this because uh, Christy just screams in slow motion, Daddy! (laughs) And then that's it. Then we just cut to other parts of the film. This is a, I don't know what crow's nest or whatever, I don't know the architectural term, but it's what you would need if uh, you were Odysseus's wife and you were looking out to see if he's coming home. Yeah, she, that's she's like that's what, she is like 300 yards away from... And, 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 yeah. and like, this is her house and she still like looks yes. like it would take her about 20 minutes to get out to where he is. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a ways from where she needs to go. Um, it should be noted that Christy is played by Mary McDonough, um, who combines all the raw sexuality that she brought to her long run on TV's The Waltons with a consistent air of unbothered by weird suitors or the death of her father. She exists. We don't see through her, so she's not a ghost. She really is in this movie, despite her best efforts to walk away from it like uh, like uh, that Simpsons gift of, of Homer. I was going to say, she's constantly backing into the bushes. <laughs> yes. And it's also, I mean, like, you know, uh, this is a gorgeous transfer that I, I rented off Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really could tell that that's not her in those sex scenes. Boy, oh boy. Oh, yeah. They just, I mean, especially, not even the sex scenes, but the, the scene when at the end when she's on the slab and naked, it's just a totally different woman. And like, the you need to have a way to obscure the hair or not shoot the face quite as much. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's really something. I mean, this is a movie that I think really benefits from from a VHS tape and a yeah, see, television. I, 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 the version I watched was on on YouTube, and it was just so perfectly grainy and dim, <laughs> and it just looks like something you would have rented from the, the sketchiest video uh, store imaginable. Ooh, now I'm getting jealous. <laughs> and so after this murder, you're like, okay, we start out with a bang. Well, why don't we follow that up 
with a little journey into the warehouse district in a boogie van. That's right, baby. Boogie vans are back on Kill My Kill. Uh, let's meet Greg. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He's uh, blonde. He's resplendent in a baby blue windbreaker. He's got feathered hair. He's got seven brain cells fighting for dominance inside his skull. Greg has uh, it all. He's also, you know, he's a, he's a good buddy. Because you know what? When your friend is like, hey, man, do you want to <laughs> do a crime so I could steal two tires from something? You're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am totally down to commit a crime with you on a Saturday and so that you can walk away with no, with half a car's worth of tires. Yeah. Listen, he could, he could get four tires, but what yeah. he needs is two and he's not, he doesn't take more than he needs. That's, good. Yeah. that's the kind of person Josh is. Josh, uh, sounds like the least important member of the Bowery Boys. Um, he's he's from the Brooklyn section of yep. Cliffside, California, uh-huh. based on that accent. And uh, he also went to the Arrested Development School of Chicken Noises because I'm convinced this is the source code for that. I, I am convinced. Yeah, that's no chicken I've ever heard. Because <laughs> you know, jo- uh, Gary doesn't want to get out, and he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? What are we doing? I mean, you almost need an aptitude test after that. Just pull out a piece of paper and a pencil and go, Josh. I need you to write down what. You think a chicken looks like? It's like it's like he, you know, his idea of how a, ch- a chicken noise is from like you know Disney's Robin Hood or something. <laughs> That's the only chicken he's ever seen. <laughs> the only chicken I've ever encountered has been animated and in love with various bears. When Greg is kind of iffy about this, uh, and, and when he gets, I said, "Like, listen, I don't want to do this." He and Josh uh, have this. Very half-hearted slap fight mm-hmm. that, um, I don't know, it's ill-advised. What we all want them to do is kiss. But sure. no, it, it's a slap fight. Just kiss you two. You know you want to. Uh, you do. You want to watch it happen. And there's also this, like, I love it in bad movies when it's very clear, like, the script is really bare. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Greg and Josh go into the warehouse and... Things and on the way, uh, they encounter a lot of stuff, and it's like, well, it needs to be more active than that. And it's like, I don't know, dude. What if what if you guys grab ass for a little <laughs> while and like and like bad actors have to improvise? And it's also yeah. like you're like you're in junior college, you're like 19, 20, 21 even. You're not fucking around like this in this warehouse. I don't know what no. you guys are doing. Like unless you wait, waked and baked, which you probably did in your power van. <laughs> I, but I need to see that. Yes. Um, I'm sure one of them has a dictionary that is full of joints and a cutout. Mm. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I'd like to believe it more. Another example of that improv is at one point, Josh sees something through a window and he calls uh, Greg over. And Greg almost brains himself <laughs> and just haphazardly yep. goes, low <laughs> There's Excellent. No take two on that bad <laughs> no. boy. Like mm-hmm. this is it. just verisimilitude. Yeah, honestly. there's a there's a big you know we have a you know, very finite amount of film to work with <laughs> vibe to 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 this whole proceeding. Listen, we only have this warehouse for an afternoon. We got to get through this, guys. Um, so it doesn't matter how many loose tires or vintage wheelchairs they encounter. We just gotta keep 
moving. <laughs> so they fart around for various clues of how to get the tires out of the warehouse. And it turns out that the place is just full of valuables. Mm-hmm. And then they look at one window and there's a fucking satanic ritual taking place. In the afternoon, on a Saturday afternoon. Broad daylight when best the best time. satanic rituals take yep. place. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it satanic, but I'm going to keep it cash. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, in leading this rite is Mr. Andrews, played by Christopher George in his most cut the crap <sighs> mode that oh, he's you so, love he, him he, for. He, he's so grousing. Uh, I love this guy so much. He's in one of my favorite movies of all time, Enter the Ninja, uh, oh. as... As the white business, the evil white businessman, uh, it, it's and yeah, he's just got that face. You could just, I just, it's a great face. It's a really good face. It looks like it's chiseled out of something that would stop your heart. He's like fifty two here. He looks seventy five. It's, it's it's fantastic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, he, he died. He, he died when he's fifty two, or he died very very shortly thereafter. This, this is his last uh, film, unfortunately, because he would have been the a great like mortuary old- kills him. Everyone. It seems like he's also in Pieces, uh, which is also a great movie. He is. He filmed Pieces before this. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, he, and of course, uh, Linda Day George, or as we like to call her, Linda Day Bastard <laughs> George. Um, because those two are a package deal, baby. They come together. Mm. They're locked at the hip. Um, and she's uh, also in a black tunic. She's wandering around. She's in nightgown number one, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, this movie is many things, but one of the best things that it is is a nightgown delivery system. <laughs> if you're wondering what nightgowns are, they're like formal lingerie. <laughs> like lingerie you'd meet the queen in. And this movie is resplendent in nightgowns, and I'm here for it. Um, so they view this going on. And Josh is like, all right, I'm going to grab the tires. And so he goes back and discovers, <laughs> I'll put that in dick fingers, the body of Mrs. Andrews in a coffin and is quickly impaled by our killer with an embalming wand through the stomach. Uh, so, Josh, you were very sh- in your very shiny iron-on transfer T-shirt reading, I'm just visiting this planet, will not be missed. <laughs> It is. That thing was ironed on that morning. It really was. Uh, it's never seen sun. It's never seen oxygen. Yeah, you, can just, you can still smell that burning plastic. And the, you know, the the, the special, you don't have like that great credit but when you know you're watching a good 70s or 80s horror movie, like uh, special gore effects by so-and-so, mm-hmm. by anyone. I mean, you want, you no. want Tom Savini, you want whatever. But like, they knew how to do the trick of, okay, we have this like, you know, this stab a wand thing to go into the stomach and that is it. We're not going to figure out how to do it in the neck. We're not going to find out to figure out how to do it in the hand. We're not going to figure out how to do it through somebody's eye. It's just going through the stomach every single time. Yeah. Uh, Bill Paxson, who, spoiler alert, is the killer here and it's not a mystery because you can totally see his face. <laughs> yep. You don't need the Hardy Boys on this bad boy. Uh, and yet the movie thinks it is. But he's a very stomach- obsessed serial killer. Mm-hmm. He likes to poke him in the tum-tum. <laughs> and that's what he is into, everybody. And I mean, like, you would, 
I think that to your point, like a mystery would require other characters, which there aren't. Yeah. I mean, like no. it could be Christopher George, but obviously it's not Christopher George. You know what I mean? Like, no. I mean, he was in the other room while this yes, shit exa- is happening. Exactly. That's the only other person it could be. Maybe the fat sheriff, but I doubt it. <laughs> the the misadventures of, of Sheriff Rolo. Yeah, uh-huh. I. Um, He's, I mean, he's definitely a, still a suspect, but I think sure. for a multitude of killings just around town, just not these <laughs> killings. Does Greg say the name Josh 15 times in a row sure. after this? Yes, I counted. Does someone steal Greg's beautiful boogie van and take off? Again, yes. Does Greg look like a, a Scooby-Doo's Shaggy and Fred were put into a Brundlefly transporter? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's only he's only kind of put out by this. Just 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 yeah. just a tag. He's like, huh, that's funny. Someone stole my truck. <laughs> it's like it's like it happens all the time to him. Well, I mean, I guess when you're like when you're living a true van life, you can't you can't be that proprietary of your own van. You got your keys. If a buddy's like, yo, dude, can I use your van? The answer has to be yes. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, if, it's I, I the van code. Exactly. It's just, hey, man, mm-hmm. uh, have it back to me by Thursday, buddy. And like, don't be a dick about it. That's the move. So he's like, ah, Josh is just he felt he had to van out of here, dude. I went, Who am I to tell him what to do? Yeah, don't get any bodily fluids on the wall-to-wall carpeting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Leave as many joints in the dictionary as you found, that sort of situation. But as long as you abide by boogie van code, you get to use boogie van. So Greg enlists his uh, girlfriend that we learned, Christy, to go look for Josh because they're deeply in love with one another. I mean, they don't really say it and they don't demonstrate it and they don't really act like it, but you just kind of assume it because the movie does. Mm -hmm. Now, Greg mentions that Mr. Andrews was holding quote unquote, a seance with a group of women, but pointedly does not mention that Christie's mom was one of those women because Greg is not a narc. Learn from (laughs) Greg, everyone. Yep. That's the move. It's it's none of his business. He's like, Hey, Whatever Mrs. Andrews wants to get up to, is that her? Uh, uh, hey, man, I ain't going to judge. Be into whatever <laughs> you're into. Listen, we were both in a warehouse that we shouldn't have been in. We were doing things we shouldn't have been doing. Bygones, y'all. So, Greg and Christy, hen, where we all would go in this situation. And that is 75 miles north of Malibu to Ventura, California, to Skating Plus. And yes, Skating Plus still exists, everyone. And so Ooh, does that bubble lettering. Amazing. That's exciting. <laughs> it's incredible. This is, the, this is the kind of sequence, Gina, that Skate Town USA wants to be a lot. But it, Skate Town USA forces so many weird 60s and 70s comedians into it that you don't really get all the roller skate goodness out of it. Yeah, this does feel like you you were talking earlier about, you know, how good but out of place the scene is. It does feel like outtakes from a movie that was originally filmed to 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 take advantage of the very brief roller skating movie fad. Yeah, they definitely want to evoke that. But again, this is released in 1983 where now roller skating is a a tad passe. So would disco, but not according to this movie because there's a song in this sequence. And anytime they're in the, uh, anytime that any music outside the soundtrack is playing called be my love. 
<laughs> they got the rights to that song. God damn it, they're going to use it. Uh-huh. Yeah, they use the fuck out of it. They paid for it. They probably wrote it. They're going to use it. And does it have lyrics? Yes, I wrote them down. Buckle up, everybody. Oh, boy. Your touch needs you so much. Criminal way that I feel I might look all right till I'm out of your sight. Crying for love I can't steal. Ask you, ask you to stay, but you get away. There's no getting next to you. Please don't ignore. I love you more. What a shame that you can't be my love. This is a serial killer anthem. I was going to say, yeah, uh-huh. that, that's like, that's something a rapist says. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Christmas song that everyone, everyone, every generation discovers is creepy? Baby, it's um, cold outside. It's yep. cold outside. This is It's Cold Outside for slasher movies. It is a very <laughs> weird song. Uh, I do love, because uh, I think it's Christy who's just like, they're driving and they're like, oh man, I don't know, where could he be? And she's like, maybe at the roller rink, smash cut to the roller rink, which is hilarious. But that's like, if you were asking me like, oh, uh, I don't know, man, I, I haven't seen my dad. He's, he's got Alzheimer's. I'd be like, Maybe it's at the pizzeria. Like, she just wants to go to the fucking roller. You know what I mean? Let's just, it's like, oh, it's, it's around lunchtime. Like, I think he's dead at that pizza. Maybe we should check the pizzeria first, for sure, to make sure your dad's okay. So just, to, just to, you know, we should, we should follow all leads, even the ones that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. But, but it, it, and yet, when they pull into the parking lot, the van is there. Mm. So... This is a good idea, yes. honestly, from Christy, which is it, the good ideas from Christy stop here, everyone. <laughs> well, the van wants to go. Like, its natural state <laughs> is to go to the roller rink. It just, it's going to be, like, if you, like, just put the gas, didn't touch the steering wheel, it would take sure. you to the roller rink. It would just naturally drift there. It's exactly. like a salmon going upstream. It exactly. doesn't know why. It just mm-hmm. need, knows it needs to go to the skating rink. Mm-hmm. Uh, once inside, we meet Jim. Oh, wait, they have names? Wait, wait, wait. They have names? Yeah, I researched this shit so hard, Gina. Finding information out of this was like trying to pierce the veil on a Mission Impossible movie. Just trying to like, now, which one is on which side? Is he wearing a mask? What's going on? That I wrote down so many names for the girl who's named Bonnie before (laughs) I reached Bonnie. It's just, there's no, the credits are so dazzlingly incomplete here but we start with jim and and he's he's a heavier gentleman Mm -hmm. um he's dressed like he's attending a minnesota vikings themed (laughs) sleepover Mm -hmm. um he's on the skate on on the skate floor which is linoleum and his friends and i put that in dick fingers lois and mark are pushing and shoving him around like they've been hired to do it. Jim's kind of Jim kind of reminded me a little bit of of uh, Frank and Beans from There's Something About Mary. I got <laughs> I got to say yep. mm-hmm. just a little bit. Just a um, touch. He's got a little bit of what's his face uh, from I think it's a Friday Three. Uh, Shelley. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's like he's like the prankster of the group. And again, like and that's this- why yeah, that's why you're right that that you know in a different slasher movie he probably would have been killed first. Oh, for sure. You know, he, and he's, we would have loved it. He's begging for a, a a embalming knife to the gut where <laughs> the only place it can possibly go. What would have loved to see that shoved down his throat or yep, sure. pierced from one ear to the next. I sure. mean, there's all there's so many places on his body. I would love to shove an embalming wand <laughs> to up the body count here. And yet we don't. What we do get is the feeling 
that Jim and, and, and Bonnie and Mark are in a skating throuple. Because <laughs> we, we only ever see Jim one other time outside the skating rink. Every other time he's inside the skating rink, hip to hip with Bonnie. Yep. Yeah, the three, the three of them are always together. Whenever, yeah. we, yes. whenever we see them, they are always together. They were less uptight about that sort of thing, man. Just if you're just skating, just go skate. <laughs> Listen, if you're on wheels... Normal rules don't apply. You you get to be in a throuple when you're on wheels and it's 1983. Take off the wheels, society might judge you differently. Mm. But Bonnie seems to be recruiting Greg to be their fourth right in front of Christy. Christy, not phased by this. So She's take not phased by a lot of things, honestly. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. I, later on when she starts uh, sleepwalking, I have a note, which is like, is she sleepwalking or does she just look like that? Because I'm not, I, I really wasn't sure at that moment. If you told me that instead of just sleepwalking in the sleepwalking scenes, she was sleepwalking through the entire movie, I would believe it. Mm-hmm. Now, when they discover that they had not seen Josh round, they're going to, uh, and Greg and, and uh, Chrissy are going to take off. Uh, Jim stops Greg as he walks out the door and says, hey, Greg, you look like shit. <laughs> and he's, he's being rude, but he's also not lying because it looks like Greg has been weeping. He, he's very red-lidded underneath the eyes. He's either stoned or he's been crying in the men's room. <laughs> well, Josh is missing, folks. And, I mean, more importantly, yeah. the van is as well. Yes. Because when they go outside, the van has vanished. Mm. Um, and so, resigned to the fact that they did not catch Josh, um, Greg and Christy go back to Greg's house, where Greg quickly uh, tries to get her into the back seat. And this is where we discover, as the viewer, that Greg's hand is bigger than Christie's head. Sure. He can palm her like he's in a, uh, like in a fucking basketball team. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Then they go from the front seat, and now they're going to the back seat in his driveway, <laughs> which is bold. Yes. Um, there's no wrong way to mourn the loss of a parent, but I feel like this method comes the closest <laughs> for Christie. But I mean, like, and I, I, the thing of it is, like, yeah, you're you're in junior college, you're, you're of age, you can fuck in your driveway, but you probably shouldn't. You know well, what also, I mean? It's also, it's like, you know, they can, you know, she, these people don't have bedrooms. Yes, exactly. Like they, 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 you know, then they have this other, you know, near sex scene, just you know, right in the middle of the living room floor, and it's like, yeah. you, you have a room, go to it. Yep. They want. I feel like they want to be caught. There's no other reason for this. It's just, it's. It feels better when a parent can see them for whatever reason. And Greg and Chrissy almost become a sad sandwich <laughs> via an embalming wand because the killer is right outside their goddamn car. But Greg's parents emerge from the house they're, to block him. His 75-year-old parents. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, Greg's dad. His is a dad. Real I don't know what kind of movie the, the the actor who plays Greg's dad thought he was he, thought he was being casted, but he's great. He's really yeah. good, and he's got two scenes, and he's going to use them. <laughs> oh yeah, he he is a uh, he's he is working the, set, the 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 set in both of his scenes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's really walking around feeling himself. He he wants to be part of the space. Uh, he doesn't want to shy away from anything. When he emerges from the house, he's wearing the robe version of a drug rug. It's yep. it's a vision. <laughs> Cut to Cliffside Junior College, a.k.a. Cal State Northridge, uh, pre the 1992 quake. And this is where we meet Paul Andrews out of makeup. That is Bill Pankston. Now, uh, Paul's introduced here, um, sans Grim Reaper. Um, and his idea of a date to Christy is that she come over and listen to Mozart and maybe slip into something more comfortable, say a coffin. <laughs> uh, he says, I got a new Mozart, like Wolfgang just dropped a new banger. It's great because if you look, and I mean, I have the, the, the stunning uh, transfer on Amazon, the record that he's holding, or he's holding a stack of records, and the outward-facing one is the doors. And maybe that's the one you want to lead with, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I got this cool new Doors album. I got, a, I got a J. It's 1981. You know what I mean? Like, these are things we want to do. Did you know they don't have a basis? There's no bass. <laughs> like, Lead with something that's even semi-cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would not personally call the Doors cool. I'm just one of those people. The Doors and the Eagles. No. They're two places I just can't fucking go. Um, but uh, this, surprisingly, does not work out for Paul. Uh, Christy heads off uh, with Greg. Uh, later that day, uh, Greg heads to the sheriff's station, making him one of the only L.A. County residents whom the sheriff office has helped without shooting them first. So congratulations, <laughs> well, Greg. You, well, you got to check that sandy blonde hair, my friend. <laughs> also, I got to say, if, you know, I would never want to work in law enforcement, that's not uh, for a trillion reasons, but this beachside sheriff's <laughs> office with, right. the, with the surf licking the back of this guy's office, <laughs> I'm kind <laughs> of interested. I'm like, maybe. Do you have this, an internship program? Exactly. You'd have, Do you need a secretary? Uh, you gotta, okay. Exactly. That's what we're talking. Administrative work. Right. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll pull the stuff out of, of filing cabinets that you want lost so that you're not I, I will shred evidence later. for you. Right. Um, one of my favorite moments in this, where you can always tell this is like a, a one take wonder, is when Greg heads into the sheriff's office. He he heads down these like these two or three stair steps and he just jumps down them with his hands up in the air like a wee descent <laughs> down the stairs. Yes. Just. You don't get that in a lot of slashers. And especially very few people go into the police station that way. Yeah. We, I'm talking to the cops. Yeah. It's a weird one. Um, Now, after Christy drops Greg off, we discover that she's being followed. And if the scenery behind Christy seems familiar, that's because it's the exact same road that the parents bide it in the opening scenes of Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker. Wow. Um, but somehow, some way, she manages to lose that dark sedan that's following her. And um, she just pulls into her driveway and no one's following. This movie is bad at building tension, everyone. Well, it doesn't help that she doesn't look, she really does not look concerned. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, you know, she just barely beats him to her house, which, I mean, obviously that's where she's going. And if you're Paul, you know where fucking, you know where she lives. You killed her, her fucking dad two weeks ago. <laughs> or I should say a month ago. And I will say a month ago, 
because the conflict with her mom is just like, I don't know, your dad was murdered a month ago. Could we get over it, please? Like, I am so <laughs> tired of talking about this. We're just, we've been through this. Your father's dead. I need to move on. Mm. I want to be out and about on a Saturday afternoon in a nightgown and do a satanic ritual, honey. And I feel like you need to move on too. Come on, loosen up. Let's have some booze. You and me. Come on. Uh. Everything about this home reads pre-1983 with the exception of Linda Day George's haircut. Everything else tells me that this was decorated in 1976 from the Browns to the other Browns. I do think this is one of my favorite jokes from one of my favorite Mr. Side Suitor jokes is I think it's Space Mutiny when uh, the old guy introduces his daughter. He's like, oh, this is my daughter. And uh, the joke is, oh, we're about the same age, which is exactly what's (laughs) happening here. Oh, yeah, totally. They are sisters. This is a, this is, this is not even uh, a Gilmore Girls level. This is like crazy town. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought she was supposed to be her her stepmother yes, originally. Exactly. And I was like, oh wait, no, this is like this woman gave birth to her when she was two, I guess. Right. <laughs> when she was nine and a half. Like, <laughs> when did this happen? When when did her and the good Dr. Parson get together? Yes. Um, but Eve tells us that Dr. Parson's death was ruled an accident. Mm-hmm. And now I'm no inspector Clouseau, but Christie's dad. Took two blows, yep. one to the head. Well, I mean, let, let's be fair. We we did just discuss this. I mean, it was it was a slight glance <laughs> off right. his head with a baseball bat. Yes. But also, neither of those things are consistent with an accidental drowning. Like you might hit your head and roll into the pool, sure, but you also don't take a bat hit to the back and then roll into the pool. Just, I have a feeling something is fishy in the sheriff's department. Mm. Uh, don't worry, we'll never know. We'll, because that guy's got one seat, one to one and a half seeds tops. Uh, later that night, Christine is in bed screaming, Daddy. Don't worry, it's a vivid dream about her father's death. It's not something sexual. And if you just look at it without the rest of the movie, it doesn't read as super weird and highly sexual. Um, but this prompts Christine to sleepwalk in nightgown number two baby how lucky is this killer because he doesn't even have to break into the house christy just wanders outside all vulnerable and in a nightgown and he just waits until she almost drowns herself yeah wakes up and is already walking away before he attacks what i'm saying is it's perfect timing thumbs up it's pretty good uh yeah she's not that great at acting, uh, I would say, uh, just in terms of like uh, when she wakes up, I could barely tell that she woke up. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Also, it doesn't help like when you're a killer and you're sneaking up on somebody and then you have to go, Christy, yes. don't, don't whisper her name all creepy. Just kill her if that is your goal. You don't have to announce her name. And announce your presence. That is not going to help you in your, what we all assume is goal, to kill this person. 
And I mean, like, and this is when you really know it's Bill Paxton because I mean, like you've seen him already. He's not done anything but be creepy in the movie. And mm-hmm. and the other thing is like, he's got so, like he, I mean, that's why he was such an interesting actor. He's like, has such an interesting face, like such a memorable, unusual face. Just the way like the cheekbones are and the upturned yeah. nose and the lip. Like it could only, like, even if I just met this guy, but oh, that's Bill Paxton. You know what I mean? Right. There's nothing about his face that doesn't say this guy grew up in East Texas. Mm-hmm. And it just, it leaps off the screen. And uh, I just, I don't think the filmmaker who primarily made movies that were avenues for nudity <laughs> understood what, what a slasher movie was. He just knew he could get one made and gave it a whirl. And this is what we get, everyone. And I think if you watch it, it's fun to watch. It's a, uh, as Jupin puts it, something you watch with the tall glass of water. Yes, for sure. Um, and with a group, you're going to have a fun time. But if you're looking for something like the most serious, you know, gem, as it were, that's that's not what it's here to do. It, it's here to be weird and deliver nightgowns. <laughs> so the next morning or afternoon, some sort of time period in the future, we cut to a cemetery. Yes. Um, and Greg and Christy are meeting there. Why? Yes. I mean, theoretically, <laughs> you, you, you cut the scene, the part of the scene, which I assume is when she's at her father's grave and like, I can't believe it's been a month. All right, these yeah. things are no, but they're just, and they're just like hanging out, having a very breezy conversation about this. Yeah. It's like we always meet in the, in the, in the cemetery. I would really love to know how how the blocking of this scene was created because they are standing in such a bizarre pose to have a conversation. It looks like they're posing to get a picture taken at prom. Yes. Like like he's got his arm around her waist. She's got her hand on his shoulder. It looks like they're waiting for somebody to say, okay, look at the camera, smile. Cheat out. Um, We all want to make sure we see that the flowers on her wrist. That's... It is, but adding to the awkwardness, of course, is Bill Paxson's entrance. Mm-hmm. For he just knows how to do it. For example, here this time he just emerges from behind a tomb, <laughs> left to right, slide. like a like a lovable Dracula. <laughs> yes. And then, I mean, it's so awkward. You feel like he should be taking attendance at a middle school AV club. Mm-hmm. It's just really awkward but i it's intentional everything he's doing is intentional and belongs in a i don't yeah, know about a more serious movie he's but the he's, only one he's, he's the, the only one that knows what he's doing with his character yes right and i will yes. say also um he because he announces like oh i'm here to visit my mom's grave He's the only one that belongs in that goddamn cemetery, as far as I'm concerned, because I haven't heard anything as to why these two are making out in the cemetery <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. Even even if this movie was filmed in 1980 secretly, yes. it, we're a post-phantasm world, everyone. Yes. I don't go to cemeteries to make out in the middle of the day. Nope. But yes, Paul is there to put flowers on his mother's grave. And he goes, oh, uh, these are from my mom's grave. Do you like them, Christy? And she's like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're great. And he pulls one out and hands it to her 
Like that is a normal <laughs> one of my mom's grave flowers, young lady. Did your did your heart melt a little bit, Gina, when he did that? Like, oh, yeah. I wish someone would do that for me. And it was a little, yeah, it's like when you go to the Ren Fair and there's someone, you know, <laughs> passing out flowers and they'll stick in the lady's cleavage. <laughs> Betwixt me breasts, sire. Um, and then the reason why we're here. And quite frankly, uh, we've only mentioned it once briefly before here, but um, this is the reason you show up to 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 mortuary in nineteen eighty three, because after this exchange of a flower, Bill Paxton skips away <laughs> in a series of movements. I'll, I'll call them that. That should at least have won him an Oscar, a Tony, a Critics' Choice Award, the Mark Twain Prize for Comedy, a generous grant from the Chubb Group, all of them. I honestly, I honestly, hope, I honestly hope that at his memorial service, he just played this on a loop over and over again. <laughs> just, just, you know, to show what a delight he was. Because uh, I, I think Earth he was made I, better by this man. I, I think he was supposed to. It was supposed to evoke. He is really excited that she has accepted more or less this yeah. this, this rose from him, and he, so he kind of looks like he's doing a sort of old fashioned like like yes. like, yeah. like jumping up and clicking his heels together, like like something Jimmy Stewart would have done. It's so good. I mean, the skip. I I think the skipping is only half the genius because. It's the side-to-side head movement mm-hmm. that works against where the legs are. Oh, sure. That's how you're skipping with purpose. Yeah. It's just, it, there's a Charles Hayden Savage level unexpected hip movements that don't read as real mm-hmm. about it. And like how fast he gets from one side of the screen to the other. He's like a gazelle who posts a lot on incel Reddit groups. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that skip. It's incredible. It just, the world is better for that being captured on film. Yeah, you like, should watch the whole thing, but you could definitely find just this clip oh, yeah, on, the, on YouTube. If that doesn't fire you up, maybe you don't watch the rest, but I promise you, like, the movie is full of those weird-ass moments because it just doesn't know how to deliver scary moments nope. or suspenseful moments. It just has weirdness throughout, and that's what you're there for. As we mentioned earlier, Greg's dad, Mr. Stevens, he's never given a first name. Nope. He doesn't deserve one. I did not remember him being such a prominent person in this motion picture. <laughs> but when Greg goes to the flower shop to pick up flowers to take to the mortuary, um, Mr. Stevens walks forward in a scene in the oddest manner I've ever encountered he walks like his hips were fused after a tragic lombata accident <laughs> just, he signed saddles like he's gumby and you're like that's not the way people walk sir and he's like well wait wait till you hear me talk people don't talk like this either um it's it's nuts so his wife meanwhile is dressed like a creamsicle in orange and white well, they want you to remember them because it's their last scene in the movie. You'll never see them ever again. It's true. They disappear into the ether. They're, they're vaporware after this. But when he comes from the bank and either the pants are too tight or he is. I'm not sure which, but just human beings don't act like this. The amount of wicker in that flower shop should also be illegal. Uh, I'll just put that out there. Um, 
Now, Greg, of course, is uh, his dad owned this flower shop, and they say that Mr. Stevens' mortuary is their biggest client. So don't fuck this up for us, Greg. Um, and yes, before you say anything, the Andrews mortuary is called Heaven's Gate because that's a term that has zero negative connotations to it. <laughs> well, I mean, not that it didn't. <laughs> At least the movie Heaven's Gate had been out at that point. Out and closed in quick uh, succession. Um, and yes, uh, we do get funeral home humor. We, we mentioned it briefly earlier. We have a coffin shopping couple here. Yes. Whose every scene is gold. You just have to watch it. They're yeah, having Chris, a blast. Christopher George comes in. Have you thought of cremation? Yes. <laughs> And a smile crosses their face, Gina. Like, like, we hadn't. We hadn't, but now that you talk about it, now that you mention our dead bodies being consumed by flame, <laughs> I'm into it. Tell me more. They're just, they're so happy to be out there. And they're he's so like, happy to be on Christopher camera. George about to like slap a casket and say this bad boy could fit so many corpses in it. <laughs> well, actually, it was owned by an old lady who only used it. Uh, oh, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> she oh, fell shit. behind on payments and we just yanked it out of the ground it's good as new and I can give this to you at a heavy heavy discount I don't tell everyone about that um, so now Greg tries to quickly after Christopher George just rattles out him for three straight just, minutes just you know. popping popping veins oh, up and right yeah. in his temples He's like scanning him. He would have lived to be 54 if he didn't do this scene. Like that's, just, <laughs> that's kind of. He really just put a strain on everything. Yeah, took that one extra year off his life. It's just, uh, he couldn't take any more. His heart had this scene and maybe one other one. And unfortunately he did both. It's, it's a sad, sad story, but it's true. So Greg's trying to hightail the fuck out of there. But of course, Paul, Pulls him into, uh, I don't know, what do you call this room? They're preparing corpses in there. And Paul's like, hey, want to look at the boobs on this dead body? And Greg doesn't say no. No. And just keeps staring at it. <laughs> and I know, like, the real pervs in this audience are gawking at those bodacious tatas. But yours truly is clocking one of our favorite things on this show. And that's dead bodies. Breathing real oxygen. Oh, That's right. Yeah. This dead Bonnie is breathing real hard, and she <laughs> won't be the last. Uh, it's so good. Well, especially like at the end of the movie when like some people are dead and some are not. I'm like, how can you tell? How <laughs> can you tell? What's the it's clue very here? Confusing. Movie? What, are, what are you going to tell me? <laughs> so here to break up a very awkward time is Christopher George. Who treats his free labor, oh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, son, like uh, my dad did attempting to teach me to drive stick in the church parking lot. There's a lot of righteous anger, mm -hmm. bulging veins, empty threats, swearing. It's all here, baby. He's like, why is this person in this room with this naked dead body? And then we get two extra minutes of them just farting around. <laughs> yep. With this dead body and Paul's hanging out in the doorway like... Well, I want I want to see the rest of it. But, yes, exactly. The rest of it. I, I don't even think we get any information in this scene. It's just sort of like kind of sort of embalming. And also like if the movie is that embalming forward, maybe you want to do a little more process <laughs> about embalming. Right. You know what I mean? Like show it and like show how gross it can be and whatever. No, we're not doing any of that. 
no, no, none of that. We just, we learned that embalming exists. Yes. So cut to the castle parson where all the lights are out when Greg and Christy return home. Um, and we get the absolute treat of Greg's Count Dracula impression. <laughs> which, is not great. It sounds like what would happen if the Count from Sesame Street were hosting SNL mm-hmm. and he had to play a part in the Californian sketch. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. Take the PCH down to Sunset, <laughs> then four, ooh, five north, and get on Ventura. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yes, I wrote all that joke down. It didn't take me long, but I wrote it down. <laughs> I do. Well, them, like, kind of, yeah, he... Like, they're just kind of fooling around, being sort of sexy-ish with one another. And then he's like, he does his bad Count Dracula thing. And I'm like, oh, so this is what it's like when stupid people have sex. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so they're like, they pretend to be Count Dracula for a little while, and then they start sticking things places. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know um, that. He's a classic sex idiot. Like, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this a bit when we did Friday the 13th Part 2. You got a big blonde sex idiot in mm-hmm. that, too. And you don't quite see what she sees in him, but then when they start fucking, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. He doesn't, he doesn't have a thought in his head to get in the way. Mm-hmm. So it's just good at sex because he's not thinking about how weird it is. He's just doing it, and he enjoys the hell out of it. And by, you know, you don't want to marry the guy, no. but also... Sex idiot. Try one, won't you? Um, Christy, at one point in this conversation, says <laughs> a statement that I never used to sleepwalk before my father was murdered. <laughs> and then cue pop music, which is an amazing <laughs> thing, because like the, the gag here is that the power is going to go in and out. Uh, yes. But it is tremendous that I never used to sleep. And like no one... And that's the thing, too, like in a minute, like at the end of the sequence, I think, is when he really tries to put the moves on her. And she's like, I can't do that. No one's giving this woman room. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like there's no room for her. It's like she's clearly having a bad time of it, which she's allowed because her father, A, just suddenly died and B, also more than likely was murdered in front of her. You got to give her a little bit of space. And she's like, you're doing anything to get out of it. Like, maybe I feed you milk and a bowl full of something or other. She also, but yet she also keeps, you know, changing how much any of this really bothers her. Yes. From not even from like scene to scene, but like minute to minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, she's got a goofy smile on her face half of the movie. She seems bemused to be there. Like she didn't expect to show up to work on this movie again. Like when these lights start flashing off and on, she just kind of standing like, huh, that's odd. Huh. Like, 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 like how long are you going to, you know, you stand there watching your lights flash on and off before getting mildly frightened that maybe yeah. like, you know, you know, either someone is, is, you know, you know, fucking with it outside of your house or that you have ghosts. Yep, and also that your dad was just murdered like not two weeks ago or four right. weeks they're ago. Right, they're standing there for what feels like 45 minutes just, you know, as these lights, you know, this blaring disco music keeps, you know, clicking on and off. And I, slow motion strobe machine, yeah. And we, you cannot undersell how not scary this is. And not, not even not scary, like not even approaching scary. It's not funny. Like it, would probably be, it would probably be scarier if they acted like they were scared. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. that'd be great. But the movie isn't telling you that they should be scared. Yes. It's just assuming that you're scared. Now, I hate to break this up, 
but we, we mentioned that disco is happening here, and that means pop quiz hotshot. It's time to play Choose Your Own Disco Venture, where we decide if the disco dances that we have seen during Steven's appearances here on Kill by Kill, <laughs> which one would you rather dance along to and why? Up for bid, we've got Hank and Cass from Creepshow and their funky chicken meats batusi. Or you've got Greg and Christie's Scarecrow Who Just Learned to Walk meets Rhythmically Leaning Over to Bob for Apples. So, Stephen, as uh, our guest, I choose you to go first. Uh, I would go with the Creepshow dance. Those those yeah. two are having a blast. And, like, they're, the, the, they're having such a blast, there's absolutely no way that cocaine is not involved. Like, it's just, <laughs> it just, it has to have happened seconds ago. The, the only way yes. your body can move that way is with a fucking fresh shot. So you're, yeah. I'm going, I'm going with creep show on this one. Yeah, the way Ed's head bobs up and down mm-hmm. at that one point where he does a, a faux, he does his own chicken dance. He does his own, he, he has his head, uh, hand above his head, shaking it. It's uh, a crazy way to dance. Gina, what's that? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely got to be Ed Harris. Only be, and and you both for what you guys said, and also because it's just so far removed <laughs> yeah. from, from the Ed Harris we would we would come to know. Right. Whereas we never know what happens to Greg and Christy. These people just dance off into obscurity, never to darken our doorway again. Mm -hmm. Like at least Ed Harris, you know, at one point he did this and then he did many other grumpy things. I love it. So uh, they are interrupted uh, by their mom. Uh, or by Christie's mom, uh, who's pretty sassy for a lady trying to look like, not look like uh, she had her husband murdered, which uh, Christie <laughs> believes. Uh-huh. Um, at one point, Christie picks up a phone and says to Greg, it's dead. To which Greg responds, what do you mean? <laughs> what, what do you think she means, Greg? How many different interpretations of the phrase, the phone is dead, do you think there are? What do you think a phone is? And uh, yeah, he checks it himself and yep, phone sure is dead. And yes, this is the very long conversation about, oh, I talked to the phone company yesterday and blah, blah, blah. By the way, this comes to nothing. It's not like you see Bill Paxton fucking around with the power box or later in the movie he uses it to his advantage or it's his final scare. It's like he's doing like crazy stuff with the no. I mean, I guess th- this was just a wacky happenstance. Yeah, it's like a, a tree limb is bouncing up and down on an electrical pole. Yep. Who the fuck knows what it is? But it has nothing to do with the plot of the motion picture. Mm-hmm. And so much so that it just ends. And the next day, Christy and Greg continue their... Well, investigation might be too active a word for yeah, it. Yeah, no, you're being very, you're being very generous. Well, because that, that's okay. This is the, this is the scene missing part where they're following Chrissy's mom, and they're like, "Oh, that's where she said she was going to be." I'm like, "That's a scene that I needed." Whatever it, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they're following her to this after yet another afternoon seance. <laughs> never, this movie's never met a dark and stormy night. Uh, it's, no. There's absolutely no thunderstorms in this motion picture. There's no atmosphere. We don't quite understand why it's happening or where. There's a brief scene where we see uh, Paul putting makeup on what we assume is the corpse of his mom. Turns out she's just drugged to the guild. Spoiler alert for that one. Um, But then uh, back at, at the 
at the uh, Heaven's Gate. This is, is oh, I'm sorry, there's one thing I forgot about in the warehouse. And that is uh, Christy, dressed as a guide from Jurassic Park, is scared <laughs> by a tire. <laughs> this is a tire yeah. scare. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Very That's the only thing that comes of it. There's yeah. really nothing there's else a, There's a tire scare, and yet she is not at all even the slightest ruffled by by seeing her mother participating in some sort of seance where she is yes. attempting to call the spirit of her recently deceased father. Mm-hmm. And, this yeah. is, and this is what I'm talking about uh, when I said that this, you know, the, the way that they filmed this seems to be that they, they filmed it, you cut each reel into pieces and threw them on the ground and picked it back up and glued <laughs> it back together without yep. any semblance of order because they, they, they see her at this seance, they know that she's involved. Yep. They know that she's involved with uh with with Paul's father in some way. Mm-hmm. Um and then the very next scene, they fucking it's like they're relieved about something. Like yes. like you know, oh all all our all our suspicions have been confirmed. I guess we solved the mystery. <laughs> Did uh, you? No. <laughs> it's like no, and also I think ghosts now exist because the ch- the table is like nodding yes and nodding no, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, somehow the table is communicating to them, but if you put a shim under it, you'd be able to enjoy your dinner that night outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, this is not a serious effort to contact the dead, okay? Dr. Pearson, if you can hear me, wobble the table occasionally. Wobble. <laughs> okay, and then it ends. It's like, hey, were you murdered? Wobble. Okay. I think we're done for tonight, everybody, right? We've we've made it. We don't need to ask who murdered him or if he knows any information yep. we can follow up on. Nope, we're all done. Okay, great. Turn off the Suspiria lighting package, everyone. I think we've made a lot of progress tonight. It's incredible. Um, back at back at uh, the uh, castle, Parson um, Greg is uh, attempt number three to woo uh, Christy into bed, but he does win me over a little bit here because he's seeking consent rather than assuming he has the right to sex. Greg for president, maybe. Well, no, maybe. because no, because when she you know turns him down, he gets a little shitty about it, and he he pulls the whole you know you really need to start getting over your father yes, being murdered uh, a month ago. Yeah, yeah, it's that, he it's a guilt trip about it. Like, hey, I'm I know that you're grieving, but guess what? I'm hard, and that kind of out trumps everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not yeah, the best. We have, we have a thing here on the show that we developed after we went through the Scream franchise. And it's a little phrase called, have you considered my penis? Mm-hmm. And up until this point, Greg has not pulled the have you considered my penis. But after their role in the hay where Christie's body is replaced with somebody else, and she finally looks up and sees a picture of her dead father and says, there's one line I won't cross, and that's having an orgasm in front of pictures of my dead father. <laughs> Whereas myself, I can't have an orgasm unless I'm looking at a picture of my live father. Mm. We're just different people, baby. <laughs> different people. Different strokes for different folks, they say. Um, but is this, like, <laughs> you just got to go ahead, you know, from your girlfriend to, to let's have sex before your mom gets home action. Do you, as Gina pointed out, Head upstairs for just a modicum of privacy, or do you fuck on the living room 
rug. With like, you know, like, the entire, like, every wall in your living room is windows. <laughs> this is true, but let our, lest I remind you folks, this living room is sunken in. So yeah, oh, when true. the mom comes home, if they were fucking, they would have time to, to react because her eye her eye level wouldn't go all the way down into the living room floor. Certainly not. They're in a carpeted... Yes. They're in a carpeted foxhole. Yes, from, from <laughs> exactly. Science. They're below the radar, literally below radar. Um, Gina, I was very excited in this sequence when this is happening because it cuts away to the outside and you get the killer POV and you hear the breather from student bodies. <laughs> he crosses over the timelines. I love it when he shows up. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, Christy ends up not wanting to uh, have sex. And it cuts away to an establishing shot of the house. We know they're there. We haven't yep. been anywhere nope, else. Nope. This is continuous. But they're like, we want to make sure you did not catch that it is a body double of Christine. Yes. <laughs> so they go to the outside of the house for a second and then... They're back to it, and she's got a, a, a shirt on and no pants. She's and uh, she's like, you know what? I th I think we ought to we ought to break up. Yeah. Um. And uh, they do. Uh, Eve comes home, and Greg is kind of like, well, you won't be seeing me around much more, uh, <laughs> Mrs. Christie, because uh, we broke up. And she's like, oh, I'm sure I will. And he's kind of like. So we gonna have sex. <laughs> I mean, you seem a lot cooler about the whole dead dad situation. Cause he wasn't even your dad, right? Because yeah. how does that work? If, oh, if I'm a little I've never been quite sure. <laughs> it's, it's very. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of I sense. I didn't want to ask. I thought I'd be rude, but <laughs> but there's a whole lot of living room rug that we can use that really hasn't been. I got utilized. a van. You know about my van? I got a van. It's fantastic. Um, so cut to later that night for, so we can get nightgowns to Electric Boogaloo. Mm -hmm. um, and Christy has another uh, sleepwalking incident in which she tries to knife the killer through a window. So she defenestrates her hand, yeah. but that's about it. Uh, she gets a little bit of an ouchie uh, that Linda J. Day George has to clean up. And of course... Yes, Linda Day George is wearing nightgown number four. Everyone, a nightgown and counting. like the diaphanous robe. Oh, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You can tell this woman has got money and she's not afraid to use she's, it. She's got the, <laughs> she's got the, 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 the full hammer horror ensemble. <laughs> oh, yeah. She looks like she should be running away from a castle in the middle of the night. It's great because she, they finally make up here. And like, I think the mom is like, listen. I just went, I'm not going to say that I went to a seance this afternoon, but I did. And I got a little news from your dad that he might've been murdered. So that, which also, it doesn't shake me to my core. I'm a bit relieved, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah, She's yeah. like, I think we're, Please, now I know. Now we're like turning a corner as a family. Now that we both believe that your father was murdered. <laughs> I mean, she's waffling a little bit. She's sure. kind of like, well, I'm not sure if your 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 dad was murdered, but here's an entire backstory on a character that definitely tells you he had a reason mm. to kill yes. your father. Mm. Now let's have some brandy. Well, because it's like yeah, it's, they uh, just, uh, they're like, oh yeah, Paul was dangerously obsessed with you. They wanted to shove off to an asylum, yada yada yada. And it's yeah, it's like 
all of that, there's a credible threat. The window is broken. Let's mm-hmm. get drunk enough so this doesn't matter is the idea, I think. And I'm sorry I never told you sooner yes. that this classmate of yours has has yeah. you know, has has said you know, outrageous delusional things about you to 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 his your psychiatrist father that was treating him. Oh, and by the way, your dad told me everything his patient said. No, there was, <laughs> and that's what that's that's the benefit of being married. He told me what they were up to, what their names were. It's it's amazing. You'll be yeah. shocked when you hear about the sheriff, which I'll tell you about in a minute. I was like his filing cabinet for his mental notes. He just <laughs> yapped about it all. Uh, anyways, it's probably nothing. Have a drink, go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm really glad that Christy and Eve worked things out because just two minutes later, Eve is stabbed to death with an embalming wad. 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 <laughs> That's a bit Freudian. With an embalming wand in such a way that, yeah. Paul uh, definitely came in his pants during that. It is. <laughs> I have. I, I. I will give this movie that. It is. It takes any guesswork out of what do uh, male killers get when they stab women. That's it. it just <laughs> you know what I mean. If you've ever been like, but I just don't get the symbolism. This movie <laughs> will give it to you. Oh yeah. I mean, we've all heard the thing. I read, you know, women in chainsaws and everything. And then we've covered a lot of slashers on the show, Gina. And obviously some of it is very misogynistic. Some of it's very judgy. Not all of it is that hyperbolic, but then you see a movie like mortuary and it's like, yeah, this stabbing instrument is how he fucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you have a point. Paul, not a great pursuit killer, uh, because after this, he it chases Christy like in and out of the house. She goes to like this pool slash greenhouse or poolside terrarium. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. It's got greenery and wicker. Anyhow, she thinks she's shaking him. She heads back to the house. He's already there. And then Paul gets on top of her and knocks her out with some of Jigsaw's oh. sleep rag juice. Mm-hmm. And uh- then... Y'all, it is revealed that this movie would like you to think that Paul has been wearing a mask every time he's killed somebody. Because she pulls a mask off his face and the mask does not look like Bill Paxton's face. No. No. And he's wearing Batman eye makeup underneath (laughs) it. Um, Even more, I, I kind of want like the timetable because... All like Paul, uh, Gar- Greg, and Christy have a date. Uh, yeah. Everyone goes to bed. Everyone literally goes yeah. to bed in the house. Um, all of the stuff ha- that we get some sleep. Uh, she wakes up. She sleepwalks. All this stuff, and then at the end of the sequence, when Christy is finally uh, captured by Paul, we cut to the roller rink already in progress. Is it four a.m. <laughs> like? What are you talking about? And they're just eating popcorn and drinking soda. And like, Dave is just like, man, I wish I was in this movie. Like, ah, you, you, you. It's, it's not as great as it looks, honestly. It's, it's you could do better. Yeah, and then like Jim, Bonnie, and Mark are there, attached at the hip, mm-hmm. as you do when you're a roller skate based thruple. And they're like, listen, we would love to in have you in. <laughs> To make this a foursome. But I, I do think if things are going to work out with Christine, why don't you just go back and talk to her one more time in the middle of the night 
we'll be here until they're locked in, like it's at a church and they're on like a 24 hour thing. I don't know what the they're fuck They're some sort of like skate a thon or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, hear, we'll, hear, we'll be here till 6 a.m. Just go back over there. It's fine. It's fine. So on his way back over, of course he sees the car that Paul's driving, spies that Christy is knocked out in the front seat, mom's dead in the back, and they're <laughs> headed to Heaven's Gate. Oh, um, so good. And he goes into hot pursuit. Paul, meanwhile, <laughs> once he reaches Heaven's Gate, is ready for action, Paul, because he's running. He's under a timetable, everybody. So Paul brings in the one dead body, one passed out body on one gurney, everyone, mm-hmm. because he's he, he's crafty that way. He undresses the stand-in for Christy, <laughs> um, which is not important. What is important is that Linda Day George is breathing like she just completed a 5K fun run in the background. Yeah. Uh, Again, this movie works perfectly when it is 240. (laughs) You know, it's like it's broadcast on cable on a 4-3 television, and that's as good as it gets. That's that's where you want to see this film. I have a Blu-ray. You see too much. He, at this point, Paul reveals, I guess, his ultimate plan slash fetish is to embalm Christy while she's alive. That way they'll always be together, question mark, mm-hmm. a lot. Question yeah. mark, question mark. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know. I is not my, you know, listen, I don't come to mortuary for realism. <laughs> sure. What, what I come to mortuary for is to watch Bill Paxton sedate uh, an obvious stand-in for our lead actress and then coat her with a liberal drizzle of olive oil from yep. Squirt Bottle and towel her off. This takes five fucking minutes. All the while, Greg is knock, knock, knocking <laughs> on Heaven's Gate. Until uh, a Hank arrives, and then he hides. It appears as if everyone has come to the same conclusion. Paul is a very special boy who needs to be in a small room with a door that only locks from the outside. And it's at this point, I came to a realization that there are very few cinematic serial killers who end up having to hurry their death, you know, uh, their kills, because daddy is coming home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's, this movie and Mikey, Gina. Yeah, it's sort of like when you were a kid and you decided you were going to like take apart something to belong to one of your parents just, yeah. to, see, just to see how right. it worked. And then you realize, oh, shit, they're coming home soon. You're mm-hmm. like scrambling to like kind of, kind of, you know, you jerry rig it back together and, you know, hope you hope you didn't miss anything when the time they get <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. Search that one closet for your birthday presents mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's something you're not supposed to be getting into. And then you hear, you know, something pull into the driveway. You're like, oh, fuck. But it was never killing a lady. <laughs> nope, it's not. And the dad shows up and all of his veins are bulging because he's like, where have you been? I've been driving all over. He's like, oh, no, seriously. Like, no, you haven't. Uh, the sheriff is going to arrest you because. Basically, everybody knows you're a fucking maniac and kill people, and I should have done that. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, guess where that fucking rod's going, baby? Right in the stomach. 
No other he place gets a it can go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, Christopher George passed from a heart attack a mere two months after this film ramped, and I believe it is from expressing the pain of having this wand go through his tum tum. Uh, I was going to say, he just needs like crumples to the ground looking like, thank God I'll have 40 more movies after this one. <laughs> Linda, we're out of here. We're on the next fucking flight. We got another cheapo movie that we can do together. And uh, yeah, unfortunately he did not make uh, it. Um, and so begins a full, a full four minutes of Greg slowly wandering around this mortuary oh until he finds Hank's body. And, you know, <laughs> that comes roaring out of a door on a gurney and Greg does not react at all. It, much like the tire and Christie, they, they just are not affected by jump scares. And then, um, you know, we learned that Paul wants to marry uh, Christy and Greg gets locked in a room. Yep. And then finds very, very easily. Very, yeah. very easily. And, you know, for some reason, Paul is happy to murder uh, his own father, but he would not touch a hair on Greg's head for some reason. I don't know why. Greg's too beautiful. Yeah. He might, he, listen, he might kill Greg later. He, he might have him as his best man, we later mm. learn. Yeah, so, um, someone's, got a, someone's got a witness that marriage license. That's a good point. That's very, very also true. Wouldn't, wouldn't be real. <laughs> right. But, you know, Paul pulls that thing that you do with your dog where you th- you mime like you throw something and you put it behind your back and Greg goes, what? Huh? What? And goes into a room <laughs> it's locked in. It really is about that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He essentially just gets led into it like a lamb to the slaughter. And then Greg quickly discovers uh, that the room has three items uh, that are on the wall. A saw, an axe, and a wrench. Now... You might as well have a Freddy... I mean, it's a little early, but a Freddy Krueger glove as well. Just, like, put it it right there. (laughs) Just put it right next to it. Just in case a sharp hand Joe comes through. Yeah. But when I saw that trio there, I, like... Did you think he was going to pick up the saw to help him escape? Because I sure did. Mm-hmm. I I did not think he would go for the axe first. I thought, he's going to pick up that fucking saw. Nope. He's going to try to saw his way through a door. <laughs> um, I was happy to learn that I didn't. He didn't do that. But now uh, we cut back to the warehouse district where Paul is surrounded by another one of our favorite tropes here. Gina, it's a chorus of corpses. Yay! It's a a corpse party. Yes, it is. (laughs) And everyone's invited. And so you got Christy's mom. You got Christy's date. You got Paul's mom. You got Paul's date. You got Josh in that iron-on t-shirt that's still very shiny. And uh, Bill Paxton conducts... One song, well, the music we hear is very clearly a different song mm-hmm. playing at a different time signature than he is conducting with that embalming wall. You know, I was thinking, though, that this is actually a great advertisement for, for Heaven Heaven's Gate's embalming capabilities <laughs> yeah. because yeah. Christy's dad looks like he died that morning. Yeah, oh, I mean, he did a great job on Christy's dad. Yeah. He's, he looks as good as the day he kind of died, for sure. Um, we also learn that there is a wedding cake there on the table. He thought this of everything. Mm-hmm. He ordered a fucking wedding cake. Who fulfilled this order? When was it delivered? And to where? This warehouse? That delivery guy had no questions about this? Okay, fine. So... Christy's there. She's knocked out. 
because uh, she's been sedated. Greg finally shows up with an axe. Uh, he and Paul duel verbally, <laughs> and you can only imagine how well that goes. Yeah. Uh, he And, you know, Paul explains blah, blah, blah. I, I couldn't let my mother, you know, I couldn't let my mother go through what I was going to go through something, something. It goes on for a while. Yeah. Like, at one point... Greg picks up that M16 that was in the coffin randomly. Which I totally forgot about. <laughs> and he shoots it on and Paul's like, aha, they're blanks. I'm like, okay. I, what was I supposed to believe it was? <laughs> Anyways, those shots wake, in quotes, Christine, who uses the power of Chekhov's sleepwalking to grab that axe that's been dropped on the ground by Greg. And Chop Paul in the back. This is the uh, this a rather is, gaping wound. This is the most like like anticlimactic. Oh my god! Death of death of like the the like the the killer in a slasher movie I've ever seen. Well, it, it, not unlike it's it, it's very well bookended by that bat in the beginning because like it's like. A, and like, and then like, he's like, "Yikes, I'm dead." I'm like, "Oh, are you?" I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, "Well, all right," and falls over. I mean, might as well. Like, there's a lot of shrug, you know, built into this. Um, and so he, he you, falls on the uh, ground dead. And you know what? If you're doing an axe kill mm-hmm. post-1980, you've got to do a Jack Nicholson. Oh! Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Really you like, need put your back yeah, into it. Like, like, Paxson is great in this, but he's not as great as he could be. Yes. Like, like he he's yeah. he's he's more restrained than you would expect him to be, except for that skipping scene. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that skipping scene was really you know you that it was it, everything after that was kind of a letdown because I, I think that if he's, he's not in his full power. Right. Yet. If he stayed at that level through like the big re- reveal, air quotes that that he's the killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That that it would have been a, a much more entertaining movie overall. But he's just weirdly like, well, you got me. Burp. Yeah. We what you want is near dark level Paxton. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Just, just not up there yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. But um, Greg and Christine embrace, and they kind of wander out of frame, and then the camera. <laughs> man just like uh, you don't want me to do this right you do all right pans over to paul's mom <laughs> she just does a whole yeah question mark no okay i'm lying there's no question mark no it's, yeah it's, there should have been there should have been a the end yeah, of the exactly. question mark here. But yeah. It is so I mean it's not like I'm not like confused by it. It's just like I'm I'm disappointed by it. Like, no, the right. movie's over. Shut <laughs> up. No way. Okay. All right. Now your movie ended. I'm sorry. You ended your movie and now you can't have any more movies. It, yeah, it's done. not our fault. It's not our fault that you just made your killer just roll over and die after exactly. like one shot to the back with an axe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he doesn't get up. This is as as big of a oh, oh no that this movie's yeah. ever going to get as far as a third act reveal. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a, a tad underwhelming. Not to mention the fact that she's brandishing a serrated cake knife. Yeah, which 
Just, just not exactly. And this movie is not like full of, oh no, weapons, but that's the <laughs> least oh no weapon that the movie has. And most of these people are, are killed with an embalming wand. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Greg should be able to make quick work of this old lady. Yes, uh, like one kick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's got a reach on her. Uh, I'm pretty sure he can just grab that and yank it out of her hand. She's drugged out the just kills. Like, like, just so. be like, like oh, come on, just slap it out of her hand. <laughs> <laughs> he's been training for this his whole life with Josh and that slap fighting thing. All he, all he needs to do is bring those skills to the table and he'll probably live through this. Um, but will we live through Choose Your Own Death Venture? And that's where we decide. Of the deaths portrayed in this motion picture, if we were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would we choose and why? Up for bid. We have bludgeoned, in quotes, uh, with a bat and drowned in a pool, speared with an embalming wand through the tum-tum, stabbed in the stomach with an embalming wand over and over again in kind of the way that tells you it's this he can't use his dick, and this, this is how he uh-huh. makes up for it. And speared with an embalming wand through the other side, I have a heart attack two months later, or uh, take an axe to the back in an underwhelming fashion. Uh, Steven, as our guest, I choose you to go first. I will say, I, I got to go for the first death, the, the bat in the pool. It looked like a beautiful day. This guy was like smoking a cigarette. He's got a cocktail. He probably had morning sex like 48 minutes earlier. You know what yeah. I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was, it was just, everything was going his way until, and he didn't even see who did it. Like, it's just, it's an easy way to go out. And then you're like, yeah, maybe you're like, oh fuck. But like, it's a quick, oh fuck. And you're still kind of, uh, you're still in a post-orgasmic bliss, it seems like, right. on your way out. I mean, that's that's go- my guess. That's my fan fiction. He's going out on top and the bottom of the pool. You know what I mean? Exactto-mundo. Gina, what say you? Yeah, I'm going to take that that first step. It just seems very gentle, you know. He, he yeah. gets his little, he gets his little boop, you know, little little, <laughs> loving, little loving touch with the bat, and then he kind of just, you know, does you know, does a nice little roll into the pool. It's not so bad. Not so no, bad. No, no. Not and listen, he looks great in those mm-hmm. red shorts. And he looks he great just, like before he's still alive, and he still looks great when he's dead. <laughs> yeah, look, look at that head of hair. He's going out. The way we all want to, with a slight tap to the noggin, and then the sweet release <laughs> you know, of like, drowning like, when you're not awake. You know, it's it. like it's like Tinkerbell just coming up and going. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, there's no better death than this entire thing. Absolutely, the way to go. There, there is no better way around it. And of course, that this is when we tell you that Josh Hollis does all of her artwork. And uh, our music is by Revenge Body. Go to Revenge Body Memphis at bandcamp.com for this theme. And all of our remixes. Now, Stephen, this is the opportunity where you tell people where they can see and hear more of you and what you do. Yeah, we're, uh, we're doing. Uh I'm on a podcast called We Hate Movies, which is a bad movie podcast, sort of, kind of. I don't know. We have fun with movies a lot. Uh, you do. Uh, good, bad, and otherwise. Uh, we have a a plethora of Patreon st- offerings, including uh, some good movies that we do. We just released an episode on Blade recently. We're going to, uh, for... Uh, we have a very spooky episode coming up. We've got our spooktacular coming up, which is my favorite times of the year. Go check out all of those offerings. WHMpodcast.com. 
We highly endorse. We are part of the Patreon here between me and Gina, independently of one another. We uh, love the show and love what you. Yeah, oh, my, you so I was much. just telling. I was just telling somebody the other day that my uh, my entry point into the show was the Blame It on Rio episode. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> I was so shocked to see somebody cover that show because I was pretty sure I had just imagined it in a fever dream. What a what a nightmarish <laughs> film that is. It is. <laughs> Oh my God! The, the the mad genius who thought that was a good idea is uh, is astounding. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about movies and television at thespool.net. I have a Substack, Gina Watches Things. Substack.com. I am on Blue Sky and Instagram and TikTok under Gina Does Things. Do it today, people. Check it out. You can find us on your socials. We're not on Twitter anymore, but we're everywhere else. Um, join our Patreon where we're doing fun things like chat by chat, a- answering your questions, taking viewer requests. And of course, we have commentaries uh, like the upcoming Jason X and Friday the 13th remake commentaries, which will both be a hoot and a half, filled with uh, space travelers in fine knits. And that just about does it, folks, but don't worry. Uh, the body count will continue probably for another 300 episodes. I can't say. Halloween 1983 is not over. We've got uh, extra fun stuff coming your way. Next week, we'll have a fun Friday the 13th surprise for you. And so for myself and for Gina and for Steve, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.